0: An election race unlike any other, the 2016 U.S. presidential campaigns have been wrought with twists and turns. We're gabbing today with Craig Tomashoff, veteran journalist, about his new book, The Candidates, running for president when nobody knows your name. Stay with us here at Book Circle Online.
1: This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now... Book Circle Online.
0: Hi, and welcome to another edition of Book Circle Online. I'm Katerina Kazayas, your host, and it is my pleasure today to be introducing and welcoming to our studios Craig Tomashoff.
1: Thank you for having me. It's always nice to talk about a book, especially mine.
0: Especially your book. Um, and, and I want to introduce the book a little bit here for our sure. viewers. Interesting thing about this book is you chose to travel 10,000 miles. In 21 yeah. days, yes, to talk to 15 presidential hopefuls, yes, who didn't have millions of dollars,
1: far and, from it, yeah, and
0: didn't have extensive staffers to launch viable campaigns, yes. What prompted you to want to go out and talk to the everyday guy that is running for president, who pretty much is never going to get a single vote?
1: Uh, it's this fascination I have, which you know maybe is not a good thing, but I, I'm totally fascinated by the notion that somebody will wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and go, you know what I want to do today? I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to lose all my family and friends. <laughs> I'm going to lose all my money. Everybody will think I'm a lunatic, and I will never, ever succeed. There's like zero chance I'm going to be a success. And yet they wake up every morning, mm-hmm. and they do it. So what? I'm just dying to know what that motivation is. There's actually a parallel, I think, between that and writing, where you wake up going... I'll do this. I don't know if anybody's going to see it. So, um, if no
0: one's going to see it, you know, again to your point, because you you did the same thing with this book. Yes, you were exactly. Telling me before we started, that you wanted to go out and talk to these people because you felt a need to do something different in your life as well. Talk to me uh, about, about a little bit about that.
1: Uh, well, just uh, ever since I was a little kid in the fourth grade, because uh, we like moved around a lot, so mm-hmm. writing was the only thing that I kind of knew how to do. So mm-hmm. I did would, it keep you company. Uh, yeah, Scarily, yeah, probably. <laughs> I was I was one of those kids. Uh, that and television. So thank God for Bewitched and Gilligan's <laughs> Island because I couldn't have lived. Um, but I just always wanted to write a book, and I would do these like little. Uh, and my mom still has them in the garage, little superhero books and stuff like that. And then there was a teacher who would let me uh, mimeograph them or that that old like crank style uh-huh. of, of machine where you can make copies. And I would try to sell them to people, and nobody Oh, Wow, would so care. you were
0: writing books from. A little guy.
1: Uh, yes, and I tried a sports newspaper, and I did pretty much everything. Okay.
0: Now you have an impressive history because you have all, you know almost forty years in the business. I'm not going to give away how old you are, <laughs> but you have an impressive career. You have yeah. worked as um, bureau uh, associate chief of People Magazine, yes. executive editor of TV Guide. You've worked with the Hollywood Reporter, the Los Angeles Times. I mean, you have a, a, a list yes. of companies that you've uh, been affiliated with. You also co-wrote the book uh, Let Live, Let Learn, uh, the Alanis Morissette story. I did, yeah. How different was this book, The Candidates, from your other writing projects?
1: Uh, I mean, it was different, pretty much in every way, and, and especially what it taught me, which I can, you know, get into. But what it taught me about writing, mm-hmm. uh, the Atlantis book was, I was still at People Magazine, okay. and uh, and there was a time in America when, like, everybody was crazy for Atlantis mm-hmm. Uh and so I just got contracted to do one of those sort of, uh, you know, as uh, not as told to the, uh, you know, dig and find out whatever you can kind of books. Mm-hmm.
0: With, so this, with this book, like I said, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vignette of stories. It's 15 chapters of 15 people that you went and met with yeah. that had put their names in, that had filed their paperwork with the Federal Elections Commission to become president. Who was the most engaging of those 15 for you?
1: Oh, uh, God. You know, I don't know if I, I do know if I could ever pick one because, again, like your children and your puppies and everything else. Sure. Like they all, they all had charms in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, every single one had something that I just thought was fascinating people should know about, which is why I chose them in the first place because I went through a long list of trying to find these people.
0: Okay. How did you go about finding them?
1: Yeah. Um, this was a year ago, March 1st, 2015, okay. which was a year before Super Tuesday. Mm. Uh, and I figured if you're really serious about running for president, shouldn't you have started? Like right. by then, well, Hillary
0: Clinton, I think, um, filed her paperwork in April of 2015.
1: Ah, uh, she did. She, I think, Ted Cruz might. Most, most, in fact, I don't think there was a single one of the people that we got to know yeah. who had done their paperwork by the by time March. Uh, by March first. Okay, uh, there were 193 people, hmm. uh, and I decided to handwrite a letter to each of those 193 people. And how uh, many
0: responses did you get?
1: About a hundred, a hundred or so, slowly. I mean, there's still actually even just a few months ago, somebody finally got the letter and called me. (laughs) Uh, Out of the hundred, I I talked to everyone. I did not hear back from the guy who put uh, a Motel 6 in Washington, D.C. as his mailing address. Mm -hmm. That surprised me a little bit. I didn't hear from him. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, I talked to all these people to weed out the tinfoil hat, you know, guys in my So you you spoke,
0: you had a hundred people respond to you. How did you narrow it down to these fifteen? What was there some? Was there a um, uh, a common denominator link that had your interest?
1: Uh, yeah, just uh, years of journalistic training, I guess. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're at People Magazine, where you just you want to find the best story, right? Uh, and that's kind of impossible to define. Just the one that just hits you as, oh, somebody should know this. Sure. And that's, that's what I just waited until I got, I got about 30 of those, and then I still had to winnow it down to the best of those. Okay.
0: You talk about in the book that um, you, part of what you like to do is get out of your own personal comfort zone. So not only were these people getting out of their comfort zone by uh, you know, being a regular guy, for, I'll, I'll pick an example, um, Harley Brown. Yeah. Harley Brown, uh, for those of you that may not have read the book, you may know <laughs> Harley Brown. Harley Brown has been running for president yes. for almost 20 years. Uh, he's the biker, Harley yes. um, Hells Angels biker, who believes that God is talking to him. He came to in his taxi him.
1: cab in 1994. Right. And, said, and, and he's be been
0: running since 1994.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, working his way up. He did like, you know, road commissioner and everything, okay. and then got some degree of fame in 2014 mm. in Idaho when, through a bunch of weird sort of political machinations, he ended up. In the Republican debate for governor,
0: yes, <laughs> uh,
1: and he he sort of looks like Santa Claus in leather, uh, mm-hmm. and and so just the mere image of him caught a lot of people's attention, and
0: absolutely. But you know, he doesn't have a nefarious bone in his body. He's a good guy. he, oh, he seems as though he's very genuine in his bid to become president.
1: Harley is great. We met at a biker bar in Boise, right. and he got me cigars and beer and let me meet his campaign manager, whose name is Mayhem. There you go. Uh, and usually a campaign manager is just causes it, but okay. he actually is named Mayhem, which is <laughs> like a whole different thing. Uh, but um, the, the, the thing that, like, Harley... Or you were talking about comfort zone, yeah. I guess, is he, every one of them lived a life that had nothing to do with... There, there was no Venn diagram that would, uh, you know, other than the fact that we all require oxygen to live, sure. I had okay. nothing in common with these people. I, and that's what sort of made me want to try it, because we only get one chance to do this, so you might as well just get out and experience life.
0: Well, and experience life is what a lot of the candidates are doing. Um, case in point, Donald Trump. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting, because I read something in, on Instagram, of all places, Yeah. and it said that to vie for president, which is the highest Authority in the land, arguably in the world, uh, US president, you don't need to have political experience. To go work at Chili's, you need five years' experience as a server. (laughs) So is there something a little bit wrong with this, uh, the criteria here we're looking for? It's
1: actually at the beginning of the book, I actually sort of mentioned that um, it's actually easier to get a Costco membership than to register for president because you only have to be 35 years old right Uh, it's easier to
0: to run for president than it is to get a Costco membership
1: right Uh, and you've to be 35 and you have to be from this country unless you're Ted Cruz right (laughs) you know then it's 50-50 but that's it like you can't uh, there's a lot of misunderstandings even from people who run for president Mm -hmm. about how little you have to have that's why we all grew up being told someday you can be president because in theory someday anybody could
0: but in theory, can't someday anybody can? No.
1: Nah. I mean we we all it's it's you know it's like Santa Claus. It's we, we tell our kids, yeah, you can be president someday, knowing full well they can't. But you just do it so you kind of keeps them in line for a little okay, while. Okay, now
0: what are your uh, what are your reasons for thinking that for the common person it's difficult?
1: Uh, money and money and money <laughs> and money. Um, like, you have to, if if you start and you work your way into the political system when you're young and you move yep. your way up and you become Barack Obama, who was like sure. a n- nobody to begin with but made his way, yeah. fine. Like, that can happen. But if you're a 30-year-old, 35-year-old biker and you have no experience running anything but you think you got some pretty good ideas... You're never going to get... But so even then, your friends so will then, think you're nuts.
0: So then isn't this just um, an inane attempt by a lot of these people to gain notoriety? Uh, there is that what some, this is?
1: There, there, there are some. Well, I, I know I qualify as that <laughs> uh, with a book. Um no, I mean, that's also what I wanted to separate when I talk to everybody mm-hmm. is that a lot, there, there were a lot of people who just wanted to do it because they thought somehow it would make them famous or right. it might help them on a job application or something mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, but the ones that I kind of focused on had a, a reason that I don't think even they were aware of why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So the The one thing that everybody I think had in common is sort of a hole in their life. that uh, that running for president would fill.
0: Did you have a hole in your life that writing a book would fill?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's something I always wanted to do. And then the the other factor which comes into play in the book, a little at the beginning, and I honestly never thought it would end up being a thing that came back at the end, uh, is my son who okay. was graduated from high school uh, two days after I got back from the trip. Like, I, I knew ah, when he was... So I, okay. I timed it so, so I So you timed back.
0: it perfectly to get around the country in 21 days
1: And back. get back uh, wow. and and ready for his graduation. Um, and I felt sort of bad about it because, like, that's the month he wanted to sort of be around. But
0: but you were setting an example for him.
1: Well, that's what it became. I didn't really realize that, I don't think, at the time. That I wanted to give him a graduation gift. Okay. Um and I couldn't afford a car, and I don't think he should have one anyway. So uh, I wanted to come up with something that meant a little bit more. Mm. And, and uh, I, I've never been one of those dads who, who he will say years going down the road, you know, as my dad always told me, like right not people always say, you know, my, <laughs> my daddy gave me this advice. Okay. I didn't do anything for him. Uh, okay. So I figured showing him, you know, carve your own way, don't let anybody tell you what you're doing is crazy if you think it's not crazy. And so the book was my attempt, writing about people who do the same thing.
0: Okay, which is a nice lesson to give someone that's just about to make his way into the world. Yeah. Right, at that age. Is he a writer?
1: Uh, He actually wants to be a sports writer. Okay. So, uh, frighteningly, he he has a journalistic gene. So he's going to college to study sports journalism.
0: Okay. Well, sports journalism is, um, you know, it's one of those things that people like. People like sports. They like journalism. Uh, I'm going to take it back to the book for just a moment and to the... um, the candidates and yes. the, uh, the premise of alternative uh, electoral candidates. Um, the 2014 Gallup Poll had shown that 60 percent of people polled would relish having a, an alternative to the traditional Democratic and Republican parties. And yet when we offer them an alternative yes. most of society says, no, no, we don't want that guy.
1: It's I I I had this mistaken notion when I started having worked as a journalist and okay. the, the the journalists are always looking for something new and something different and something that will expand horizons. Sure. Okay. I, and so I thought this like you know we everybody I know like literally everybody complained about the choices that we had for president, mm-hmm. and I would say, but you know there's like sixteen hundred choices. Like it's not it's well, not just these. You know,
0: and this year, this two thousand sixteen election year. Uh, campaign uh, has the highest number of people that had filed with the FEC for president. You were telling me 1,700 people, which yeah. is almost double the 2012. uh
1: almost quadruple in oh. uh, As of election day, 2012, there were 500 and some people who filed, um, and now we're still what six months out of, from the election, and there's almost 1,700.
0: What do you attribute that to?
1: uh it's exactly that phenomenon that people want, like everybody. Want somebody different, and this year we're confronted with two choices mm-hmm. that really is like the evil of two lessers.
0: <laughs> oh, that's perspective.
1: Well, no, I did, but it's if, if you look at the, the reaction that the public has, mm. it's unlike anything I think I've ever seen. Where it's, I, I don't remember campaigns where they were more reporting the negative feelings about a candidate than mm-hmm. the positive feelings about a candidate, and every Hillary and Donald thing is. Her negative ratings are up, and his negative ratings are up. Mm.
0: Now, do you think a lot of this is fueled because of the um, the inclusiveness of social media in our lives? Uh, you know, because even in these four years, there has been a you know an exponential growth in social media outlets. Yeah, you know, there's d- a new one coming up every week, a Periscope or a Snapchat or you know there there's
1: yeah and it just doesn't end. That's, and I still have a rotary dial up phone <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know that that has something to do with it because a lot of the people that I talked to either on the phone or that I met with and mm-hmm. doing the book said they thought they actually had a shot because of social media. Okay. Like, they, th- they, they read all the time about a, a video that gets mm-hmm. six million hits, so...
0: They think, why not me?
1: Yeah. I think they had, a, like, a sneezing panda, and then they, ran, then they would get the six million hits, but that would have to be your vice president, sneezing panda.
0: Speaking of sneezing panda, Chapter 8. Yes. S- candidate... Sydney's voluptuous, voluptuous buttocks.
1: Yeah, that rolls I'm off the gonna, tongue. I'm just
0: going to throw that at you. <laughs> uh,
1: I, and how often I yearn to have a buttocks thrown at me. Um, yeah, it's uh, that was actually one of the more fascinating ones in the... Like, I read that, it, and we always hear about the, the weird This person. was the
0: name that she, the
1: candidate, Allegedly. put on her ballot. Yeah, it's on, on the, the, the form that had to be filled out. First name Sydney, middle name voluptuous, last name buttocks. And this was um, okayed. Yeah, I, I don't. But even the, the guys who did it, because I still have no conclusive proof that there is a Sidney, okay. uh, had had admitted they just did it sort of as a joke and never thought it would take off. Mm. Uh, they they had done it because they were watching a Republican debate I think in 2012 and okay. said, well, these people are all a bunch of a-holes. Right. Why doesn't a real a-hole run for a president? Okay. And then that sort of eventually evolved into this... Sydney's voluptuous buttocks. They say they have a friend named Sydney. Not matter. Didn't mean her. Drove all the way there. She didn't show up.
0: She didn't show up, but she, her campaign is getting funding. Uh, She's the people are sending this campaign money.
1: Yeah, that's, I, you know... I find I th- it fascinating. I think that's, that's probably where Jeb Bush went wrong. <laughs> <If> it, <laughs> Jeb's voluptuous buttocks, I think, would have gotten him a it lot may, more votes. It may have
0: kept him in the race.
1: I'd, you know, next time. Uh, I mean, they, they are, in, in many ways, the perfect example of everything in the book, okay. because they, they're kind of cheeky about it. Okay. They know they won't win.
0: Sure. Back up just for a moment again for our viewers who haven't read the book. So you went out looking for Sydney's voluptuous buttocks to meet her the way you met the other 14 candidates. And instead you met with?
1: Uh, her campaign committee, uh-huh. uh, George and Ricardo, I okay. believe, uh, who I talked to on the phone okay. and they had been hard Which to get Which is not unusual
0: of, to talk to a campaign manager on the phone before speaking to the
1: camera. Oh, no, it's, I mean, it was the only time that happened in a hundred people that I talked to, okay. uh, but in the real world, yeah. Sure, I mean, that's if you were trying she, to get
0: a hold of Hillary, you probably wouldn't get her yeah,
1: first. Yeah, in the real world, it works out. that way. In the world of these folks, it's different, but, um, and they, they were hard to find, finally got them. Uh, finally convinced them to be part of the book mm-hmm. uh, and and set up a time and a day to go, but they were very hazy about, like, where exactly in Buffalo, because they were mm-hmm. in Buffalo, I was mm-hmm. supposed to meet them. Uh, and then finally I heard, like, I think the night before, where to go, got there, uh, and there was no Sydney. There was mm-hmm. just George and Ricardo who said they were the committee and Sydney was ill and couldn't make it. Okay. Uh, and... Never did see her. Never got her on the phone, now, nothing.
0: Doesn't this point to making this whole process a bit of a joke, though?
1: Yeah, I mean, the process is a joke even without Sidney's voluptuous buttocks. I mean, when you when you look at how how things operate and how we spent how much time in debates and everything talking mm-hmm. about, you know, penis size and little right. hands. Yeah. I mean, the whole process is kind of a joke. These people, and there's another guy in the book, Vermin Supreme, who's been running since 92, who understand that it's a joke. And, and their point is satire. Okay. Uh, and not to get elected. It's to point out the the two kids, George and Ricardo, from Sydney's Voluptuous Buttocks, grew up uh, Latino kids in Buffalo, which is not apparently like a very mm-hmm. homogenous place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they felt kind of persecuted and, and gave them a thing about, you know, let's fight the man. Sure. Sort of and, and,
0: and, and they did that. And, and to your point in the book about those two uh, gentlemen, your point was that they're actually doing something. Yeah. They're not sitting at home just watching TV. Um, they've created uh, what, what we think is a persona. She may exist. We don't know. I,
1: I will not say one way or the other.
0: But um, they are out there and they are trying to um, make some of the change they want to see in the world. And that has to be commendable on some level.
1: No, that's. I mean, that's another theme or another kind of overall part of everybody in the book is that there there is a sort of pure motive. Uh, for these people that I don't think you always see. At least we have the impression that all big-name politicians are sort of craven and uh, that they're in it for other reasons. These guys were all in it for some, something more pure somehow.
0: Okay. Um, you talk a little bit of, in the book about um, the purity versus the outlandishness, because some of the candidates were a little outlandish. Yeah. Uh, these unknown candidates... Talk to me a little bit about the unknown outlandish candidate versus the known outlandish candidate. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I have to tell you who we're talking about. but
1: uh, Yeah, well, actually, yeah, there, there's a lot in common with the, the big one. Um, the, these guys, in theory, uh, Vermin Supreme, I guess, a great example. He'll just do anything crazy just to get noticed. He'll yeah. put a boot on his head. Sure. Uh, but people
0: recognize this guy.
1: Oh, he's. we went to New Hampshire to just sort of see the primary process. Mm-hmm. And... Everywhere he goes, he gets a huge crowd. Uh, and it, it, But it's, there's a point to what he's doing. There's a point to his madness. There's a point to Sydney's madness, uh, as opposed to, I think, the bigger picture. The point is, you know, just elect me. Mm-hmm. Um, and with them, I don't think it is.
0: Now, to the point of elect me as premise, I find it a little fascinating that uh, this is a country of 300 million people, with 300 million people, although we have the largest turnout we've ever had for president, presidential uh, hopefuls, we still only have 1,700 people that are putting their names up yeah. in a country of 300 million people. So most people logically recognize that this is not an easy process.
1: I would say the vast majority have given up on that whole idea mm-hmm. like long, long ago. And part of it is because of what I ran into in doing the book and now trying to talk about the book sure. is as soon as you say hey, real people running for president... Like what? What comes to mind? Guys mm. in tinfoil hats and right. all that kind of stuff, right? Like everyone. which is
0: unfortunate again, because as you were saying at the beginning of the show here, it, it puts up barriers for someone that that may really want to work hard and uh, and get ahead. Yeah, it's
1: I, I and it's easy to judge somebody before you know them because mm-hmm. that's what we do. That's mm-hmm. that's human nature. Um, but the fact that we all automatically assume that these people are all insane yeah. uh, and uh, or just you know horrible egos. Well, you know, maybe they are a little bit, but what, how is that different from the other people running? Mm-hmm. Everybody's a little insane. They all have huge egos. I think these folks kind of come from a more grounded place, so why put them down? Like, we, we, the, the, the way that they get ignored, I think, is wrong even by their own families. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard a lot of stories from people who didn't make it in the book of how they had to stop running because there was a guy, I think, in South Carolina whose daughter had married a Wall Street banker, and the the banker said, don't you dare talk to your father. Uh, until he stops doing this crazy thing.
0: Because it'll reflect on his uh, yeah. his reputation.
1: Uh, yeah, there was a guy in, I think, Maryland, maybe, who worked uh, for their Nuclear Regulatory Commission, so who had, like, government access, and uh, and uh, they put him on psych evaluation oh, okay. uh, and took away his security clearance because he was running for president.
0: Now, he was running for president. Shouldn't there be at least part of that that is commendable, the courage it would take to do something like that, that, that apparently the other... Two hundred ninety-nine point nine nine million people don't have the courage to do.
1: I the the last uh, person in the book, Ruby May from uh, Austin, mm. uh, said over and over again, like I, you know, people think I'm crazy for doing this. I think you're crazy for not doing it. Mm. Uh, that not a lot of places you you're allowed to have that much access to running for president, like anybody can. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you do it? Even if you do it for fun, you do it for a joke. You do it to make a point. Why not? Mm -hmm. I won't, but uh, hopefully other people will.
0: Well, you know, you you decided to make a point by writing the book, yeah, which you know shed some light on this on this issue for us, which is commendable in itself. Thank you.
1: No, I do what I can.
0: How do you feel changed by having written the book? Or do Uh, you feel changed by having written the book? Do you feel? Oh
1: yeah, no, I I didn't expect it, but I sort of felt it, like as we were Mm. sort of. Going along, I don't. I know we can't all, you know, get in a car and drive ten thousand miles in three weeks to okay. just see what America's like. Right. Uh But when you can, it sort of changes how you see everybody because you're just seeing it from this ground level. You're you're seeing one of, one of my other favorites. So I didn't mention Josh Sarah who took me to meet his probation officer, and how many candidates will take you to meet a probation officer? Um, who, who also didn't understand, by the way, that uh, you can run for president if you're a felon. You just can't vote for yourself.
0: There you go, little folks. There's a little bit of information for, all for you, you.
1: Out there, yeah, you. know. Uh, it's one to grow on. Um, I'm sorry, well we were your, your, I I dig so, so Josh. No
0: and my a little bit of a little bit of you little you of a little you yeah, saw yeah. Things differently. What exactly did you a little bit of a little you of What do you bit of you little bit of a little you of a little
1: bit of a little first in terms of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit You're a liberal, or you're a conservative. Mm -hmm. You're a Republican. You're a Democrat. Like you gotta, we we tend to divide that way. But everybody that I talked to, whether they were in the book, or I just met, you know, when I was buying dinner. Like, we're not really liberals and conservatives. We're just people who want to live a better life, Mm -hmm. which becomes, sounds very grandiose, but it's very simple. And and you don't realize that unless you're just out saying how people live their lives.
0: And this is true because the media tends to make it black or white, you're left or you're right. And what I found interesting was one of the candidates, um, the name escapes me now, but he paged himself as being pro gun, but pro choice. You never hear that.
1: Uh, Very rarely. Uh, you don't, but there's um, I actually there's a guy Bart Lower. I don't know if that's your the guy in Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who is sort of the classic example? I think of what we want any candidate to be because he he kind of looks like your high school principal and, uh, nice guy. and and he oh he was great. He does the little like I can't remember it was like a like okay. when he when he wants to make a point. Sure. Um, but uh, and, and you would think he'd be sort of a conservative, you know, Midwestern guy, f- fifth generation in this little Michigan town mm-hmm. that used to do auto parts, okay. but now the auto business is gone. Um, but he's been through, I think, four different jobs. Uh, he told me about how his wife, before they met it had an abortion, mm-hmm. that uh, he used to be very anti-gay, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, he didn't understand the war on drugs, but then... Yeah, he had gay neighbors, and they adopted a baby, and mm. he saw how great they were with the baby, and he went, you know what, I I was wrong.
0: Well, uh, and I think we're allowed to evolve as human beings. I mean, we can't be expected. I would hope we would be able to grow over the years. Twenty years from now, I expect to be a different person than I am twenty years uh, that I am today, and, and same for you. I'm guessing.
1: Uh yeah. Well, that's what's what's fascinating to me, and why he was such a great example. Of he he will take whatever real life experience he has. He had a son who got addicted okay. to drugs. Mm. So he had to take Changes sort of drastic measures yes. uh, to get his son well. Uh, having a wife who would had an abortion changed his view of, like, you don't just see them as this thing. You see them as a living, breathing person. Mm. Uh, and so he moderated every view that he had. Based be, on
0: his life experience.
1: Uh, and, and found the middle ground that I don't think a lot of people do. Mm. And uh, and that was, he was in some ways maybe the most fascinating because he's kind of the idealistic version of what we want, like somebody who's just like us but who is sort of smart enough to come up with ideas to solve the problems.
0: And solving the problems is what everyone is after with this election campaign. Are you surprised with the way the current and, and recent primaries have uh, have gone down? Um, How, did you expect these candidates to get to where they are?
1: It's, sort of, it's a kind of a yes and a no. Like I think everybody... Uh, even future generations knew that Hillary would be the nominee. I mean, I don't think there was really ever any doubt. Uh, Although Bernie's given up a good fight, he has. But I mean, whether whether you like him or you like Hillary, the system is created to uh, to Hillary's advantage. Mm. Uh, How so? Uh, in terms of delegates and delegate counts and this superdelegate delegate situation. Uh, so, um, so I I, th- I think there was. Uh, no surprise that she was going to end up that way. Trump, I think, surprised people and surprised me. The the one thing that I had, not that I know the future too much, but had mentioned several times that, like you were saying before, everybody wants an outside choice. Everybody mm-hmm. wants somebody, uh, you know, who's not the same old thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so that we should have seen this coming.
0: Right. Were you surprised with um, Craig, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ted Cruz's uh, suspended uh, run. He um, he pulled out a couple weeks ago?
1: Not really, because uh, he was never...
0: A contender, in your opinion?
1: Uh, no, I don't think... Like, he, he seemed to have less mainstream appeal than Donald Trump can. Uh, uh, that, uh, Trump is a very persuasive person, and he could get people on his side who aren't now. Ted Cruz is never going to do that. Right. There's yeah. nobody who is... You're either pro or con Ted Cruz. You're not undecided.
0: Uh, are you not pro or... Uh, con Trump as well.
1: Uh, are most I, people,
0: I mean, doesn't he? Need to, I my opinion is that in, in my my experiences has, has been that he tends to polarize people. They either really love him or really don't. I haven't found a lot of people that are neutral. neutral. Um,
1: I, I will say pretty much everything he says just astounds me for the incredible f- foolishness of most of it because, like, he's. He, he, he is exactly what we deserve because we've turned the whole process into a TV show, and now he's making it the campaign a TV show.
0: Well, and, and, and it's interesting because, again, back to perspective, a lot of people will agree with your point. A lot of people, though, and you see this especially with the millennials, are relishing the fact that he is so vocal and so open, and they actually find that quality uh, to be an endearing one. I get that. Is that frightening?
1: Uh, well, no, I mean, I get that I, I want somebody who doesn't speak with 500 advisors, too. But mm. I want them to at least say coherent things <laughs> when they do it. Uh, and and I hear, like, when you see interviews with, with like, some of the supporters and they sure. go, well, what do you like about him? Uh, I like that he speaks his mind. He say He doesn't care about feelings. He just says what's on his mind. And I would love a newscaster to then go okay, hey, by the way, you're fat.
0: Right, how would you like that?
1: Uh, and <laughs> th- and then suddenly it's like a whole different thing. When it's somebody else, mm. call, them, call horrible names, sure. but not me. And there, there's a, like a little bit of a disingenuous nature, I think, when, when people say that's why they like him.
0: Well, you know, a lot of people like him. That said, CNN uh, most recently has put out their um, projections, and they're projecting at this point as of today a 66% chance that the Democrats will take this election. Now, Um, we do have almost six months to go. Yeah. uh, Four.
1: Uh, Yeah, and I I don't... I I still think it's sort of anyone's guess Mm -hmm. because Trump is a master at convincing people of things they might ordinarily not buy. Uh, Because he's a salesman. That's Mm -hmm. that's all he is. He's a
0: a marketing genius.
1: Yeah, and so I can easily see him finding ways Mm -hmm. to... People who are really, you know, anti-Trump are pretty anti-Trump. But there's got to be a middle ground where people are going, mm, but I don't like the other option.
0: Globally, this is being watched, obviously, by everyone, and um, and it's it's something that's on everyone's radar in terms of um, keeping international relations together, uh, foreign policy. Again, back to my point a little bit earlier, is he qualified to be in a position where he's making these decisions with no previous Political experience?
1: Uh, I, for me, no, not mm. not even close. Uh, but again, we also sort of get what we deserve. So you can't you can't have there's if you want somebody who's not part of the system and who comes from the outside, then they're not going to have that experience. Right. If you want somebody with that experience, then don't complain mm. that you're getting the same old thing. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't. Kind of overlap,
0: and then that's what I liked about your book is you. Your book brought to light some of the people with no experience who did have a passion for what they were doing, which is very similar to Donald. And and I keep bringing up Donald yeah. only because he is the candidate that sort of has come out uh, yeah. from left field and has done as well as he's done.
1: Well, he's pretty the example of everything that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to imagine that a billionaire who's never really cared that much about the working class is suddenly the 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 spokesperson for, for the that group,
0: class right?
1: uh but uh he he is a good example of you know if you believe something just go ahead and try it mm-hmm. and that's ultimately what th- the book has nothing to do with politics in that sense i think it's a very non-political book actually
0: you talk about wanting to expand out of your personal comfort zone yes by writing a book did you do that
1: Uh, oh, in all ways. It's, it's, it made me a different writer. I I learned how to write in a completely different way that I never thought was possible. How? What does that mean? Um, Like anybody who wants to write probably knows that same feeling of like you write something and you know, it kind of sucks because we're writers (laughs) and we know everything we do, you know, kind of sucks. But then I would go back and redo it and redo it and redo it. And I would never get past chapter one because Mm. I'm spending so much time trying to get right that I don't look at the bigger picture. I really had to force myself. I, like, literally, I, I had to make little bets with myself that, all right, if you just sit here and write for another hour, then, you know, you go get a Pop-Tart or, right. you know, something. Now,
0: now, you would do that because this is a passion project for you?
1: Well, yeah, and I didn't want to see it, because we all have crazy things we want to do, and we all never, either never do them because we think, we're worried that people think it's crazy. Okay. Or you start and then you kind of stop because it's not easy, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I have had those in my life too, and I didn't want this to be th- that.
0: Well, I, uh, were you worried that people would think you were crazy?
1: Oh, it happened. I, a lot of people <laughs> did. There's a there's an example in the book where I went to a job interview, uh, uh, and the the editor of this particular website that I was at. Uh, said, well, if we hire you, can you work? Can you start in a couple of weeks? And I said, okay. well, n- not really, because I'm going on this road trip. Sure. I explained the road trip, and she said, "You're kidding? Me. That? Nobody's going to buy that." Uh, and she sort wow. of laughed, and that was the end of it. Uh, have you
0: Have you delivered her a copy?
1: Uh, no, I can't imagine that she would probably care too much. Uh, but you know, I mean, there were agents. There were a lot of people who said, "No, this is nuts. Why would you ever waste your time?" And, and even now if I try to pitch to newspapers, and and I would go to every every town that I was in, I would go to either the local newspaper or the TV station to try to get a little self-serving press, but also to help whoever I was talking to. And and inevitably, they would either hang up on me or kind of send the intern out, um, which I know because I used to be that intern, and I would go out and do the stories nobody wanted to do. Um, And they would all blow me off because... A, these people are never going to be contenders, and B, we assume they're nuts. So, and and
0: yet, yeah. you're the one that did go out on a limb and write this book.
1: Uh, that's why everybody needs to buy it, to prove that these impossible quests... Uh, um, I'm talking to you. Um, th- these impossible quests can result in something mm. uh, that... You know, it, it's. I, mean, I know we were talking before about like how you define success, or I was talking about yes. it anyway. That I think we all get sort of hung up on the results, uh,
0: tangible and, results. Well,
1: yeah. Like sure. if you're running for president, then the only reason you should be running for president is to be president. Huh. If you want to do, you know, be a you know run a restaurant. Uh, but you only end up learning how to cook for your family, yeah. all right, well, you learn how to cook. Right. I mean, you know, don't we, we put down things because it doesn't achieve the ultimate success. Mm. But success is how you wanted to define it. And fact, success is just doing a book and having people read it.
0: Sure, and that's a nice lesson to pass on to your kids.
1: Uh, hopefully, yeah, once they get off the Internet, yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully they will do that soon. Well,
0: the Internet is going to help you because the Internet is where you we can find your book. We can find it on bookshelves now. Uh, We can also find it on Amazon.
1: Uh, Amazon, yes, uh, we're there. Check it out on, uh, Mm -hmm. actually, uh, Goodreads, if anybody goes to Goodreads. um, Getting reviews would be nice because that, as I'm learning, is the only way a book, like an unknown book, survives. You're invisible until you get a certain amount of... Uh, like reviews
0: this is the way the internet works I
1: I am learning I am old uh, clearly (laughs) but I have learned about this internet thing and I think it's going to work out
0: if you want to leave our viewers with one final thought on why uh, you should read this book what would that be
1: Uh, because it's about all of us it's not about politics it's about just this pure desire that I want to do something everybody thinks it's crazy Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway and, and just see how it goes uh, and that's what it is. It's not about politics. It's about personal things.
0: And I think it's the personal things that we remember when we are 80 or 90 or 100 years old. Yeah. Knock on wood, we get there. It's going to be those passion projects and not the uh, necessarily the, uh, the the tangible uh, oh, yeah. checked boxes of uh, my pension plan is X amount. Uh, and uh,
1: It's nice to have money. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's nice to have success. But, but it, it's such a horrible cliche, and it, usually it comes... Uh, it's, I think I've saying this before too. Usually, it comes from big name authors and big time okay. successes uh, who say, "Yeah, I struggle too." But look at me now. I want to be the completely unsuccessful guy. who Goes, "Well, I struggle too," and I'm still not where you know it'd be great to be. But you know, at least did it.
0: You've done something that a lot of people haven't ha- haven't done. You went no. out. You went out on a little limb. You put your life on hold you met with people that most people wouldn't have given the time of day to and yeah. ultimately you have this to show for it so i consider that a success
1: uh... well thank you and uh... and hopefully other people will think enough to buy it and then i really will be a success
0: Absolutely, thank you for being with us today i appreciate it oh thank it.
1: you i appreciate you having me it's great uh,
0: for those of you at home again you can find this book online uh, or in bookstores now it's the candidates running for president when nobody knows your name you can watch our episode or other episodes here on book circle online via our website bookcircleonline.com. You can also catch us via podcast and YouTube on the internet. That's a lot. I'm your host, Katerina Kazayas. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me. See you again soon. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO. Join the circle.